Again, in the third chapter of Lamentations at verse 19, one word down to verse 33. Lamentations 3:19. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind. And therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait on him. And to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone in silence when it is laid on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one he strikes. And let him be filled with insults. For the Lord will not cast off forever. But though he cause grief, he will have compassion. According to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he does not willingly afflict or grieve the children of men. And all men. May the Lord add his blessing from the reading of his word. So we're turning to Lamentations this morning. The Hebrew title for Lamentations is the Hebrew word Eka. And the word Eka means how. So that was the title in the Old Testament Hebrew for Lamentations. How. And if you look at some of the chapters here, the first chapter we read in verse 1, How lonely Sis, the city which was so abundant at one time. And then the second chapter, verse 1. How the Lord in his anger has set the daughter of Sion under a cloud. Then chapter 4. How the gold has grown dim. The gold has grown dim. That was the gold that was in the temple. They made their furnishings, many of them made of gold. And it's gone dim because the king of Babylon has come and destroyed the temple at Jerusalem. So there's sorrow and sadness because of what has happened to the city of God. How could this be? This glorious city of God. Back in the second chapter of Lamentations, verse 15, it says, Is this city that was called the perfections of beauty the joy of all the earth. The glorious things of thee are spoken. Science city of her God. The beautiful city of God. Now lays deserted. So lamentations. Which is a lamentation of Jeremiah the prophet. Yes he wrote the prophet Jeremiah. But also we have this lamentations by him. Because of the downfall of of the city of God because of the downfall of Jerusalem because of the downfall of Mount Zion at the hands of the Babylonians 
the city fell. Just as Jeremiah had said it would fall, as he prophesied that Judah would go into exile at the hands of the Babylonians. And so they did go into exile. And as we read through Jeremiah, as we see the words of Jeremiah the prophet, we see how difficult it was for Jeremiah. The affliction that he endured because he proclaimed the word of God. Because he was the one who proclaimed the truth. While the lying prophets and the false prophets were saying other things. They were saying, oh, everything is fine. Peace, peace, peace. Well, there really was no peace. But what Jeremiah said came true because he spoke and proclaimed the very word of God. So the lamentation of Jeremiah is adversity, hardship, destruction of the city of God. Death is terrible. So you can understand why the book would be called Echa or How. In the time of adversity, it was a time of adversity for God's people. And even at times we might ask the question, how could this be? How could this happen to me? You might even have said, maybe more than one time, why me, Lord? Why has such and such happened to me? But don't forget God. See, Jeremiah was mourning there in the first part of the chapter, but then he turned his mind to God. Don't forget God. Any adversity, don't let the blindness blind you from the sovereign hand of God who is at work, who is carrying out his plans and purposes. He is. So as you look at these few verses here, verses 21 to 26, you want to think about there is hope in our adversity. There's hope in the storm. And there is love and compassion in the storms of life, in our adversities. There also is the faithfulness of God and the salvation of our Lord in the storms of life. So hope in the storm. Verse 21. After Isaiah, I mean after Jeremiah says, my hope is Hope has uh, perished. Then in verse 21 he says, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. We are a people of hope as we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Jeremiah is saying. In his sorrow, in his anguish, the heart of Jeremiah seems without, but yet we have hope. But this I call to mind, and I have hope. I have hope, he says. What do you do when the storms come? When the adversities come? Is your eye on the storm? No, we must not be like Peter when he was walking on the water and he looked at the waves and began to sink. We don't look at the waves. We don't look at the storm as such. We must call to mind the wondrous works of God. For there is a sure and certain steadfast hope in the Lord. Hope which doesn't disappoint Hope which never fails. Oh, the storm is real. The affliction can hurt. It's real pain. We struggle at times and it can be quite difficult. There's sorrow and there can be laments. There can be anguish of heart, hard circumstances. But call to mind God. For God is at work. God is not idle. God is at work. In fact, he's the one who stirs up the storm, isn't he? 
He's the one who stirs up the adversity, we might say. In this third chapter, verse 38, is it not from the mouth of the Most High that good and bad come? Job said that, didn't he? Should I not accept good and bad from God? Good and evil from God? Similarly, the, the prophet Isaiah writes these words, I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. He stirs up the storm. Amos chapter 3 verse 6 doesn't disaster come to a city unless the Lord has done it it's the hand of God and they're going to ask me why I don't know why but that's the way of God he stirs up the storm he's the one who raised up Nebuchadnezzar the Babylonian to destroy the city of God he's the one who does it he is a sovereign Lord he's the one who does it to bring down the very city of God the fall of Jerusalem and Judah must not forget why it happened in this situation because of their sin throughout Jeremiah the prophet he reminds them of their sin of course the lion prophets say otherwise the city will fall because of your sin the Lord has forsaken you because you have worshipped idols you have turned to other gods you have not worshipped the true and living God you were turned away from the Lord. Chapter 1, verse 8. Jerusalem sinned grievously, Jeremiah says. At the end of the book of Lamentation, chapter 5, verse 16. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. It was because of their sin that he brought the Babylonians to chasten them, to bring them into captivity. The storm came by the very hand of God. But we must remember not to overemphasize this in a sense that just because there's an adversity in your life is because of sin. Not always true in that sense. We can't always say that something happened bad because, oh, it was a sin I committed. No. Jesus makes that clear, doesn't he? In the 13th chapter of Luke, when the, the tower fell on this 18th peep, 18 people and they killed them, was it because they were worse sinners than the rest in Jerusalem? Jesus says, no. But he said, unless you repent, you will too likewise perish. We must remember that. And also the man born blind, uh, the word was, did he sin or his parents? It wasn't because of sin, but that God might be glorified. So we must remember that. We must be careful not to point to just somebody that has an adversity because of sin. No. But in this situation, what's their sin? They had sinned against God, and God brought down the city because of their sin. They brought disaster on themselves because they disobeyed God. Oh, how we must obey our God. Oh, yes, all by the grace of God in Christ, but we must be obedient because even that's what faith emphasizes, obedience, to obey the Lord. Yes, God sent the storm. Babylon, Babylonians came and Judah was taken into captivity. See, God does discipline. And he disciplines his children. As a father disciplines his children, so the Father, our Heavenly Father, will discipline us. And sometimes it's not very easy. It can be hard at times. But remember, who caused the storm and who stills the storm it is God. 
And Judah is told to settle down in Babylon, build houses and flourish there. And so they did, but the lion prophets saying otherwise. So there is hope. Because the Lord's purpose will prevail. If you go back to those, I'm sure you're familiar with those verses in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10 and 11. For thus says the Lord, when seven years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill, fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. I will bring you back to Jerusalem in 70 years. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for wholesomeness and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. The God of hope gives hope. He is the one we bow before. We are to listen to him, to his word, to obey him. Yes, he stirs up the storm and he calms the storm. Some people don't like to acknowledge the fact that the Lord is the one who does these things. But you know, there's another reference I want to return to. And we're going to be singing that psalm at the end. But just those few verses in Psalm 107. Here it emphasizes how God stirs up the storm. The call on the Lord. And he calms the storm. We don't like the storms. But we like the calm, don't we? Look at Psalm 107 verse 24 to verse 30 really. They saw the deeds of the Lord. His wondrous works in the depth in the deep and he commanded and he raised the stormy wind which lifted up the waves of the sea they mounted up to the heaven they went down to the depths their courage melted away in their evil plight they reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits end then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress he made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet. And he brought them to their desired haven. There was a friend in the church in Cape Breton. He was a fisherman. He fished off in the, the Grand Banks. He didn't mind the water at all. But he said one time he was out in a storm and he was afraid. He really was afraid because of the storm. And the Lord stirs up the storm. But he survived, of course, that storm at that time. But the storm can be terrible, can't it? But the Lord can calm the storm. Just like Jesus speaks to the waves, be still, and they're immediately still. Not a roll, they were immediately still. It's the power of Almighty God. So we can have hope in the Lord because he's at work. And he will bring us, yes, to the desired haven as we hope in him. So call to mind the wonder of works of God. For a second, we can think about the Lord shows love and compassion in the storm. I mean, we could be going through a storm today. You could be, and nobody knows about it. Trouble can surround on every side. That can happen. It does happen to the people of God. But what do you do about it? What do you do? Call to mind. God. Call to mind the wondrous works of God. Call to mind who he is and what he does. At verse 22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Never means never. Never ceases. Never ends. 
That's God. He's the one who is in control. He's the one we bow before. He is compassionate. He's great. Love and compassion. Love and mercy in the Lord. Because he's there. With his love. His steadfast love. His mercy. His compassion. They never cease. They never end. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. The words we have in the scriptures. Never. God can say it. And God does it. So he promised it. Be assured. That's what he says and that's what he does. Oh yes, struggles come. And you know, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth there and he mentioned there, therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are renewed day by day. Day by day. His mercy and his steadfast love. Day by day. And then he goes on and says, for our light and momentary troubles or afflictions are achieving for us an eternal weight of glory that far away them all. Look above to the eternal one. Think God's thoughts after him. Look to him. We fix our eyes. Not of the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. Because to know the things that are seen are temporary. But be gone, but the unseen things are eternal. Our eternal God is whom we draw near to. Call to mind. Use your mind. Yes, and your heart, but use your mind. Think. When you get anxious, when you fret, when you forget something, whatever, stop. Think about God. Think of his love and compassion to his people. His love and compassion to his people. There is hope in the storm because God is a loving God. A steadfast love and compassion. Even in the midst of our sin and struggles. We can come to him and confess and know that there is forgiveness with him. Because we have a God who is faithful. Faithful to his promises. Oh yes, we fall short in faithfulness many times. And we must confess that. We are weak in ourselves, weak in the flesh, and Satan's at work, and the world is trying to press into his mold, but we bow before him who is faithful, our God who is faithful. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. It's interesting here that Jeremiah says, Great is his faithfulness. He doesn't just say he's faithful, he's emphasized, Great is his faithfulness. He is the Lord. He's almighty. He does what he says. He does as he promises. He carries out his plans and purposes. And so he will. And he does. He's faithful. Bring to mind the great faithfulness of God. Remember him. God does what he says he will do. The city of Jerusalem fell. Just as Jeremiah said, the false prophets, the lying prophets were long wrong they were saying peace peace no destruction was coming and it came at the hand of the Babylonians oh yes Jeremiah is condemned because he broke the word of God he's put in a cistern in the mud for but in the problem of God he was delivered from that he was shackled he was he was mocked and so on because he spoke the word of God but it came true 
just as he said. And into exile goes Babylon, goes Judah to Babylon for 70 years. Just as God had said, so it would be. God is faithful in everything he says, in his word, in his promises. Yes, in his warnings too. Great is his faithfulness. Yes, Jeremiah continues about emphasizing the hope he has. He emphasizes the fact that the Lord is enough. He is his portion. And we see there in verse 24, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I have hope. God's steadfast love and mercy. Great is his faithfulness. So the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. What about your soul this morning? Where do you rest your soul? Where do you lift your soul? Who do you call upon? Oh, Jeremiah's anguish, yes. His soul laments. Yet, this is my portion, says my soul, in his very depths, in his very soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. So we are to hope in him. Because the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Call to mind the things of God. Stir up your soul in the things of God by the very word of God. Hear the word of God and respond in faith, believing and trust in him. Know the Lord is your portion. For Judah all was lost. The temple was destroyed. Many were wiped out. Dead bodies, young and old, children likewise. There was cannibalism in Jerusalem. Mothers, can't even imagine it, but there was cannibalism among mothers with their children. I can't even imagine. There was loss, terrible sin. But the Lord is my portion. Loss, but the Lord is my portion. Adversity, but the Lord is enough. He is my portion. The lions may grow weak and hungry, the psalmist says, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. We lack no good thing in the Lord. He is the one we seek. Therefore I will have hope, says Jeremiah. Can you say that this morning? I have hope. Really have hope in the Lord. Yes, we must put our faith in Lord Jesus Christ. You know, and sometimes in adversity, we can have a refreshing leaning on the Lord, we might say. Adversity can cause us sometimes to seek the Lord even more and call upon even more. Adversity, in a sense, can bring blessing to the people of God, to those who truly seek him and call upon his name. If you seek him, you will find him. If you seek him with all your heart, Jeremiah says, and to find him. Just a few references. I think about a couple of people in particular that I knew over the years. One lady who had been in the hospital dying with cancer many years ago, but what she was saying there in her dying bed was, my cup runneth over. My cup runneth over. She's about to die. But she had that joy, that presence of the Lord, the adversity, but the blessing of God. Another lady, I remember from our community in Belfast many years ago, she had cancer. And I remember speaking one time, she said, she said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Adversity. 
but hope in the Lord. Adversity, but blessing in the Lord. Last week, we were in Ontario for, for 10 days, I guess, or more. But when we were there, we visited a couple of, I guess we'd call them old friends. They were there in their 80s. They're Dean and Judy, they were in the church in Sydney when we were there. But they moved up to Ontario, to Brampton, and they're in a Christian reform complex up there in their own apartment. But every summer they go back to Cape Breton for three months because they have a cottage there in Cape Breton. But this summer, they thought they'd go to Newfoundland. They're 80 years old. She drives well, but Dean has got poor eyesight. He can't drive very well. He can't drive at night at all. But anyway, they went to Newfoundland. And when they were in Newfoundland, they were at a place and, Dee, and Judy broke her hip. She broke her hip at some barren place, but somehow they got her to Gander. And she was in the hospital in Gander for 10 days. And she didn't know where, where her husband Dean was all the time she was in the hospital. He said poor eyesight, so he was trying to find a place to live. He finally found a place to live, and uh, he could travel by day, but he eventually got back to the hospital to see her. But through it all, those 10 days, through the breaking of the hip and, and the time of recovery, and she got back to walking again, it was, as Judy was sharing this with us, she said, it was a real blessing. She said, I enjoyed it. She said, I wouldn't want anybody to break a hip, but I am otherwise thankful because... In the breaking of their hip, she could see the hand of God. She said, never saw it like that before, she said. I could see every detail was looked after by God. She was blessed because of it. And she's just joyful because of it. Oh, yes, she's able to walk again. But in the midst of adversity, God is there. There's hope. He is there. We can trust in him. He is our portion. The Lord is our portion. He's there for he is enough. Is the Lord your portion this day? What a blessing. Yes, Judy wouldn't have had it otherwise. Whom I have in heaven besides you, and on earth I desire nothing besides you. That's what our heart's response should be. We're not always like that, I know that. But we must think God's thoughts. We must hear him. For he is present in the storm. And he calms the storm. And even the storm, we can know he's there with us. He's there with us, our Lord, to bring blessing after blessing after blessing. He wants to bless his people. That's what our Father in heaven does. He loves his people. He delights in his people. Oh, yes, he disciplines his people too, his children. But yes, he blesses them through the troubles, through the storms. We trust in him. As the hymn writer says, change and decay and all around I see. But thou, thou changes not, abide with me. If the Lord is abiding with you, he's your portion. He's present with you. And you know he's present because he promised to be present. Never, never will I leave you. Never will my steadfast love end. Never will my mercy end. My portion but you know there's even more as Jeremiah is speaking here. He mentions in verse 25, The Lord is good to those who wait on him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. The Lord is our salvation. We wait on the Lord who indeed is our salvation. He says God is good. And if God is good, certainly 
we should wait on the goodness of God. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. We are waiting Christians, I think we can say. We wait on the Lord. We wait on him. Look at Israel in Egypt, 430 years. 430 years, and he brings them back to the land. He brings them back to the promised land. Here's Judah. Seven years in captivity. Seven years they waited. And they were brought back to the land. Brought back to the promised land. So it is true for us as we wait upon the Lord. He's going to bring us into the promised land, isn't he? He's going to bring us into glory. He's going to bring us into heaven. If we truly wait on him, if we truly are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if we wait upon him, as we trust in him, he brings us into glory, into heaven. His people were on the road to glory. And by the grace of God in the Lord Jesus Christ, we will cross over into the promised land. We will cross over into glory. What hope we have what hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And even as we know, Titus blessed that blessed hope, the Lord's return. So we rest our soul in him. And that's what Jeremiah is saying here in verse 25. The Lord is good and to those who wait for him, the soul who seeks him. We wait. But Christians are also seekers, aren't we? We seek him continually. Often we see that in the scriptures. Seek the Lord always. Seeking continually. Continually seeking the Lord. In the Lord Jesus Christ. Seeking him in prayer. It's not just say, I know the Lord. We seek him in prayer. We seek him by faith. God's people. A people of faith. are a people of prayer. To the soul who seeks him. Are you seeking him? That's what Jeremiah says. Seek him. Seek him and you will find him. You seek him with all your heart. And waiting for his salvation, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. What are you waiting for? What are you hoping in? What is your chief desire? What is your desired haven? What is your journey? And where are you journeying to? Well, Listen to God, waiting for the salvation of the Lord. He's our only hope. Apart from Christ, we're nothing. Without Him, there's no hope. Believers have hope. Unbelievers don't have hope. Oh, they have little hopes. All kinds of things they hope for. They're not hoping for the Lord, are they? And the psalmist says, we see that their hopes will perish their hopes will perish in the grave. But those who know the Lord, their hope is eternal. It's sure and certain in the Lord Jesus Christ. Call to mind, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, on the way to glory, wait for the salvation of the Lord. Oh, we have it now through faith in Christ. But we get into wait. The consummation of all things. We wait in the Lord. We trust in him. There's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved but the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our crucified, resurrected. Yes, our high priest interceding for us who is coming again. And we wait for him. He's coming soon. The prophet John writes in, in Revelation. 
but the days are under his control. We don't know the day or the hour, but we wait on him. The salvation he has promised. If he's promised it, it's true, isn't it? If you don't believe the scriptures, read them and see how they're all connected and how God fulfills his promises to Israel and Egypt, to Judah and, and Babylon and so on and so on. And then, of course, the coming of the Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ. In the fullness of time he came, as Lord had predicted, to bring salvation to God's people, to draw people to himself. Yes, they will call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So we wait on the Lord for the salvation is revealed in Lord Jesus Christ. For the Lord, the salvation of the Lord. He saves his people. But Jeremiah adds something else here in this verse, doesn't he? The anguish of Jeremiah. I'm sure all kinds of struggles through his very soul. Yet he says, wait quietly. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Don't fret. Wait quietly for the Lord. Be still and know that I am God. Quiet your hearts by reading the very word of God. It's a blessing to your soul. In other words, don't argue with God. Don't question God's ways. Don't complain and grumble like Israel did. But hope in the Lord. Trust in him. Oh yes, Jeremiah had great anguish. He just needed to read Lamentations. The weeping prophet who was not supposed to even marry and he didn't. The anguish because of the sins of the people. And how the city of Jerusalem, the glorious city of God, Zion, Mount Zion, had fallen the terrible destruction. What anguish, what suffering. But how much more our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, who suffered in his body and soul when he bore the wrath of God for our sins and gives us salvation through his shed blood. And he will do it. If you are his, wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord, because he is our only hope. And I guess it's my prayer this morning that we would hope in the Lord to have faith in Christ and to trust in him, to know that there is hope in the midst of the storms of life, and there are storms, but there's hope. Hope in the Lord. Trust in him. Let us just pray. Oh Lord, we know much more can be said. And Lord, we try to think about the greatness of our God and we sometimes linger over things we ought not to linger over. But Lord, help us to truly wait on you, to know that you are one who has steadfast love. You're the one who has everlasting mercies. You're the one who has provided salvation for us. And we know, Lord, that there are those who do not have God without God or without hope in the world, but those who have the Lord, Jesus Christ, do have hope, a sure and certain hope. And we're looking forward to that blessed hope 
when the Lord himself will return, he will change their bodies, be like his glorious body. And when he see him, be like him, because we'll see him as he is. Oh, Lord, help us then to know of that hope we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Continue, Father, be with us the rest of this day. For we ask these things with the forgiveness of many sins in Christ's precious name.